to their scenic park lodges in Winton Woods, Sharon Woods, and Woodland Mound on the east side, your Hamilton County Park District. It's a less stressful way to celebrate the holidays. Details at 521-PARK. That's Corporate Guest Services, 513-521-PARK, or at greatparks.org. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio show for all the information you need to invest in real estate successfully, intelligently, safely, all those good things. Do not forget that the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow night at the usual location, which is the corner of uh, Seymour and Redding here in Cincinnati and uh, usual meeting time as well, which is 6 p.m. for the early meeting, which, by the way, is about bed bugs. I know, not a sexy topic, but boy, when you get them, you really need to know how to deal with them. And uh, if you own rental property in the Cincinnati area, guess what? You're going to get them. We're apparently the bed bug capital of the world here. Isn't that nice? Uh, the main meeting is a real estate trends meeting where uh, the uh, Gary from Build is going to be talking about what's going on in Cincinnati real estate by the numbers, not by the theory. He's got some interesting facts and figures about which direction the market is headed, and I'm not giving it away. You've got to come to the RIA meeting tomorrow night to find that out. It is, again, at the Jordan Crossing at the corner of Reading and Seymour, 6 o'clock for the early meeting, 7.30 for the main meeting. Everyone's welcome. More information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiRIA.com. And it was really great to see all the WMKV listeners who came out to the OREA convention this past weekend. And uh, very glad to meet a lot of you that I had not met before. And a good time was had by all though there were a lot of complaints about people's heads exploding with all the information that they were receiving. One of the featured speakers at the OREA convention that we did not get a chance to, uh, get, to get on the radio before the event happened is Bill Twyford, who is a real estate investor from Colorado and is an expert in using NLP techniques to help you negotiate more successful and I think most importantly, more comfortably than you are today. Joining us by phone is Bill Twyford. Bill, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, how are you doing, Vita? Thanks for having me on. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you could be here and, and sorry we didn't get you on before the conference because I'm sure there would have been people who said, oh, I got to go see that guy because... Uh, because you're a good negotiator, right? You're just going to tell them to come to the conference. And they're going to do it. Is that isn't that the way it works? Well, thank yeah, thank you very much. I'm glad to be on your show. I really am. <laughs> so, be before or after it makes no difference to me. Yeah. Okay. So you've you've kind of um, you've kind of been in the business world for for a long, long time. You you started your own business initially at the age of 24, and uh, got away from that because it was a painting business, and that's apparently not good for your lungs. And then you went into uh, real estate as a realtor, and then later on as a real estate investor. And the 
the the the kind of um, overlooked skill that we we do hear very little about uh, in the real estate world is the negotiating because boy we negotiate with everybody don't we? Yeah, we do. We negotiate every day of our life with uh, whether it's in real estate or you're talking to your spouse or you're talking to your kids. We're always negotiating, and. Uh, you know, the better negotiator you are, the more money you make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and of course, this is also the topic that scares the heck out of a lot of folks. They they won't they won't they'll get they'll get all the skills right. They they know how to evaluate properties. They know how to do appraisals. They know how to wholesale. They know how to how to how to even creatively finance properties. But they, when it gets down to talking to the other human being, they they. They don't want to tell somebody that they can pay them half for their property what the seller wants, and therefore all those other skills are useless. Yeah, how true that is. And, you know, people that are the, the hardest to, to, to really teach this to are the newbies because the newbies really don't, you know, think that they really have to learn this kind of stuff. They can just learn the concepts and away they go. But when they start getting out in the field and they start talking to the homeowners or getting on the phone and talking to the banks or talking to other investors that do have good negotiating skills, they realize that, man, this is something I really need to learn. This is something I really should take the time to go out and, and master so I could get better at this. Because, you know, a lot of people, they don't take the time to learn that. Now, you get a seasoned veteran in the business, they see the value in this because they know what it's like to be out there and talk to these homeowners or, or talk to the banks or other investors. And, and you know how easy it is to lose four or 5,000 deals in negotiating a, you know, a, a property if you've got somebody that's really a good negotiator on the other end. <laughs> so you know, to come out and, and buy a few little programs and, and really learn how to do this, there's a lot of value in that. There really is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Bill, you come, you come from sort of a, a school of, it's, it's, really not, it's really not even negotiation or sales, it's really a school of thought. Uh, called NLP or neurolinguistic programming, and a lot of a lot of people haven't heard of this, or if they have heard of it, they think of it as like hocus pocus, like you know, yeah. you say words in a certain way and everyone bends to your will. Can you explain a little bit about what NLP actually is? Yeah, NLP is basically assumptive language patterns. It's it's you know, what I say to you is important, but what you say back to me is just as important. So if I can say to you what I want you to, you know, to what I want to hear back, if I can get you to agree with me and get you to believe in what's really best for you is to work with me, then that's really what we need to do. And that's, and that's what NLP is all about. It's all about putting thoughts and stuff in your mind to get you to believe that working with me is the thing to do. So... And, and I got to tell you what, there's a big difference between persuading people and manipulating people. Um, persuading, you know, I've talked to 10,000 homeowners, and you, you know, and you, you have too. So you know that when you go in and talk to a homeowner, you know within a minute or two what's really best for them to do in their situation. Uh, you don't have to talk to them for 30 minutes to figure that out. You know. So you're going to persuade them into doing what you know is best for them. The difference between that and manipulation, manipulation is all about me. You know, what can I do to make as much money as I possibly can, and I don't care, you know, about these other people at all. So, you know, it's a fine line between persuading somebody and manipulating people. And, and you know, either way it can go, but it's all the intent in, in what your intent is when you're trying to persuade people. So if I'm really putting homeowners first, I want them to do what I know is really what's best for them, and I really know what that is. So I'm going to persuade them into doing that. Mm-hmm. And 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 folks who are listening, don't don't worry that like this can be used for evil, because the the thing is, <laughs> I mean, uh, sellers who aren't motivated aren't motivated, and nothing from NLP to holding a gun to their head is going to make them motivated. But once you have a motivated seller. Uh, persuading them that that working with you versus the you know 
thousand competitors you have out there or working with you versus listing the property or letting it go to foreclosure or whatever the case may be is really what we're talking about here today. We are talking to Bill Twyford, who is an NLP and negotiation expert. If you have negotiation questions, this would be a great week to ask them. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. And we check on traffic right now. We have an accident Beekman at Westwood Northern Boulevard. Fairbanks at River Road and McMicken at Riddle Road. Your weather forecast from the National Weather Service calls for cloudy skies this evening uh, with a chance of rain late tonight, a low of 38 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy in the morning, a little sun in the afternoon, and sometime tomorrow, at least a 30% chance of a shower or two, a high of 48. On Friday, mostly sunny, a high of 55. Saturday and Sunday, Highs in the upper 50s. Right now we're 52 here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from Ohio Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Pain, stiffness, or swelling in a joint, bone, or muscle may be a sign of arthritis. And there are more than 100 types, including osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. Early and correct diagnosis can help treatment. More information about a diagnosis, protecting your joints, and a treatment plan is available at Ohio Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine at 513-985-3700. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Bill Twyford, who is the author of several books on the topic of negotiation and uh, we're taking your calls on this topic, which I know, I know it's a tough one. Sometimes you have a hard time, like knowing what question to ask about negotiation. But if you have a, if you have a scenario that you've been through recently, if you have, uh, an ongoing problem when you're talking to sellers or buyers or renters and, and, and something comes up that you, you, you just can't, you just keep not being able to answer. Give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Now, um, Bill, one of your books is called something like Shut Up and Stick to the Script. (laughs) Yes, it is. Shut (laughs) Up and Stick to the Script. And that's a great book. And I got to tell you, Sharon Restrepo, Juan's partner, um, come up with that one time when we were talking. I said, you know, people would just do what I tell them and just stick to the script. She goes, well, just tell them to shut up and stick to the script. And I said, that's a great name for a program because it's true. (laughs) People would just use the script because we all have scripts all the time and we use them. It's just you have to practice them so they sound friendly and conversational. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so you're a believer that negotiation isn't something that you you fly by the seat of your pants with. (laughs) No, definitely. Definitely not. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an art. It's just like anything else. It's like learning a concept of the business. You have to really learn how to negotiate. You have to learn how to read your customer or, uh, you know, the person you're dealing with, whether it's the investor or the bank, whoever it is. You have to be listening to their tonalities and their rate of speech and, their, you know, watch their body language and learn what to say, really. Because once you memorize what to say, then you can focus on everything everything else in communication that's real important, which is body language and tonalities. And, you know, we all learn songs as, as kids. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we all learned our ABCs, and, and we learned a song, and that's how a lot of us learn the ABCs, by learning the songs. So it's all a script, you know. So uh, it, it's real important to do, to you know, to learn scripts and do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, actually, you take it a step further and say, don't just learn the script, but practice it before you're actually talking to an actual seller. Oh, definitely. I tell people all the time, role play with your spouse, role play with your business partner, role play with your kids, role play with somebody because you only play as well as you practice. And if you don't practice, you don't play very well. And, you know, if if you go out and I, and I said this at the event last weekend, I said, if you go out and spend a thousand dollars for advertising, you get five leads. Those leads just cost you $200. 
basically if you don't practice before you go out and you don't really know what to say, you're paying those people $200 just to practice with you. And some of them may only practice with you for 20 seconds and some might practice with you for three minutes. So, you know, you really need to practice to get good. And then when you get out in front of your customer, you're not using your customer as a practice partner. You're using your customer as somebody that you're going to close and somebody that you're going to make money with. Mm-hmm. Now, give give me an example of of the kind of thing that you consistently would have a an investor say to a seller. Because I, I'm sitting here, as I think a lot of people probably aren't saying, but wait a minute, every negotiation is really different. I mean, the people say different stuff to you, and they want different amounts, and you want to you want to do terms on some deals and cash on some deals. How can there possibly be a script? Well, you know, there's, here's the thing. I mean, you know, homeowners only say about, honestly, if you really record talking to about 50 homeowners, you're only going to get probably 15 or 20 different objections. That's it. Once you learn the, the, you know, the answers to all those objections, it makes your job so much easier. And when you're, when you're talking to a homeowner, the first thing I do when, I'm, when I talk to a homeowner, I say, hi, my name is Bill. Uh, you know, uh, I was at the courthouse the other day. I noticed your lender had publicly posted your home for sale. I specialize in helping folks like you solve those problems, and I was wondering what can I do to help. Now, what are they going to say to that? What can I do to help? Most of the time, they're going to say I took care of it, okay? Mm-hmm. And 95% of investors out there, when a homeowner says I've taken care of it, they go, oh, okay, well, great. And they give them their business card, and they turn around and walk away. I don't teach people to do that. I tell people, great, you took care of it. What have you done to solve the problem? Now, this is where you start getting different answers. Well, it's either none of your business, or I'm listing my house with a realtor, or I'm refinancing my house, or I'm doing a modification with the bank, or I made up the back payments, or I'm filing bankruptcy, or I hire an attorney. You know, you got about six or eight answers. That's all they have. And mm-hmm. once you learn where you need to go with those answers – it makes your job real easy. See, they may say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I hire an attorney. And I'm going to say, you hire an attorney, good move. See, I'm going to repeat back what they say, and then I'm going to approve of what they did. Because mm-hmm. when I repeat back what they say, they know I've, I'm listening. When I approve of what they do, they think I think they make good decisions. So they want to stay in that conversation. You hire an attorney, that's great. At this point, what does your attorney think he can do? See, we're just going to the next question in the script. Well, we're thinking about filing bankruptcy. Bankruptcy, interesting. And what bankruptcy are you thinking about filing? Well, we're thinking about doing a 13. 13 is going to buy you the most amount of time. Did your attorney explain to you how to maximize your time through the bankruptcy process? Well, no, he hasn't. He hasn't. You're kidding. Fortunately, I'm here today. When I explain to you that makes a lot of sense and you feel comfortable, you will let me help you, won't you? You see, we're throwing in all this NLP, assumptive tag phrases and embedded commands and, uh, you know, adverb presuppositions, all kinds of stuff that I teach, and it gets people to say, yeah, you know what, it is good fortune you showed up. And, you know, if you do say something that makes a lot of sense and I do feel comfortable, yeah, I do want to talk to you. So we're putting that language out there. We're placing it into their subconscious mind, and what it does is it grows into an action, and they feel compelled to work with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, for those of us who have not actually studied NLP for years and years and years, um, you just threw out three things. You said embedded command, uh, assumptive something. Tag phrases. Tag phrases. And yep. what was the third thing? Adverb. Ad, okay. Give, give, give us an example of each one of those, because embedded command sounds great. Like, can I get my spouse yeah. to embedded pick up his socks command. with one of those? Yeah, that's right. Embedded commands are one to four word groups. They order you to do something, and they make sense on their own. So they stand alone as, as an independent unit of thought, like relax. See, it's a one to four word group that tells you to do something. And it just, they just are disguised in your sentence. Make the commitment. Feel compelled. Take action. The embedded commands are used all the time on TV infomercials, late-night TV shows. Change your life now. See? Change your life. Lose weight. Order now. Get your credit card ready. Take action. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. They tell you to do it because it works. People listen to that and go, gosh, you know what? They're right. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And the assumptive tagline, what is that? Yep. Assumptive tag phrases 
are little phrases at the end of sentences to get people to agree with you. Now, I could say, well, Vina, do you think this is a good, uh, a, a good talk show that we're doing today? Or I could say, Vina, this is really, really a powerful talk show, isn't it? Isn't it is the assumptive tag phrase. I give it to you. I give you the question that I want you to agree to, and then I ask for your approval at the end, but I'm basically telling you that you're approving with me, and I'm really not asking you. By the way, I turn the question around. Instead of asking if this is a good show today, I'm saying this is a great show today. There's a lot of information in here, isn't there? See? And immediately I'm trying to build agreement with you, but I'm really taking the no out, and I'm forcing you to say yes, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and the last and one. These are used all the time uh, in sentences. And the, uh, I'm sorry, the last, the last of those three secret ways Was of doing adverb, things? Adverb presuppositions. Adverb presuppositions in an ally. Fortunately, clearly, uh-huh. undoubtedly, uh, obviously, clearly. Any of those, anything that follows typically in a sentence is typical. Anything that follows usually is usual. Like, usually my customers at this time are signing the contract. Immediately, a homeowner thinks, well, okay, well, you know, okay, well, we, we, we're, we're, you know, we kind of want to do that right now. You know, they're feeling compelled to do it because they don't want to be different than anybody else. They want to be like everybody else. Humans like to be like everybody else. They want to fit in. So when you start using these types of language patterns, people feel compelled to take action and work with you because they feel comfortable working with you. And i got to tell you, if you don't really learn these language patterns and learn how to use them, homeowners might not feel as comfortable working with you as they will with me. So when I come to the door, they're going to feel compelled to work with me over you. And then sooner or later, I'm going to start going out to all these different appointments that you might have appointments with, and then you know I'm coming, and you, in your mind, think, well, you're going to get the deal anyway, Bill, because you just always do. (laughs) Now you stop going to these appointments because I'm your competition, and you don't feel you can beat me. (laughs) So I eliminate the competition by using these language patterns. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Now, Bill, when we come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit about uh, something that is a real area of expertise with uh, both you and your wife, Dwan, and that is negotiating with banks. Because negotiating with people is different than negotiating with banks, Sometimes I wonder if there sure are is. people at banks <laughs> or the, the loss <laughs> mitigators uh, act like everybody else. So in the meantime, let's uh, give out the phone numbers one more time for folks who want to ask a question. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from Hospice of the Bluegrass, Northern Kentucky, providing quality end-of-life care to residents of Northern Kentucky in their homes or in long-term care facilities. Hospice of the Bluegrass is the largest provider of hospice and palliative care to Kentucky residents. Hospice is all they do, so no matter how complex the case, their care teams are prepared to assist during the most difficult of times. More information at hospicebg.org. Hospice of the Bluegrass, Northern Kentucky's most complete hospice. And we check on traffic now, and we find an accident on southbound 71 at the Norwood Lateral. It's on the right shoulder. Uh, Other than that, the other accidents we mentioned in the previous update, uh, I think have been pretty much cleaned up. Uh, Well, now we still have an accident in Beekman at Westwood Northern Boulevard. And uh, Cincinnati police still have a missing adult alert for Wanda Stein, uh, female, white, 74 years old, uh, last seen driving a 2007 white Mitsubishi Eclipse, Ohio license plate DXR2988. Uh, apparently, she suffers from Alzheimer's disease, and if spotted, please uh, call 911. Uh, as far as delays, North 71 off and on, Montgomery through Pfeiffer, South 71 at Pfeiffer, uh, and then Reading down to the Lytle. North 75 slows up around Mitchell through Paddock, and then again at Glendale Milford, South 75. Uh, you'll find some backups around Shepherd, and then you're on the brakes again uh, from Ezard Charles to the Brent Spence Bridge. Your forecast from the National Weather Service this evening. It calls for partly cloudy skies early on, but after midnight we could get a little rain. Tonight's low will be around 50 or around uh, 38 degrees. 
For tomorrow, mostly cloudy with some showers possible in the morning, a little sun in the afternoon. Chance of precipitation tomorrow, 30%, a high of 48 degrees. And then Friday, sunny with a high of 55. Saturday, sunshine, a high of 55 or 58. And then Sunday, cloudy, but a high again around 58 degrees. Temperatures could be back in the 60s again early next week. Right now we're at 52 here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Bill Twyford, negotiation expert. Our numbers here in the studio are 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email. Uh, just go ask Vina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com. Any questions you have about negotiating? Now, Bill, um, a home seller has a certain set of motivations and pains. He, he wants to get rid of his house. He's embarrassed maybe to be in foreclosure. He's frightened. He's uh, fed up with it. You know, it depends on the seller. And it's often fairly easy to sort of find the hot button issues there with the with the sellers but what you guys do is you go beyond negotiating with a seller and you then go to the bank and negotiate short sales and it doesn't seem to me in my conversations with various loss mitigators etc like the banks have any pain that they are at least not that they're expressing to me so how how does all of this work when you're dealing with an institution that just doesn't have the same set of of motivations that a typical seller would? Well, it's a little bit tougher. It really is because there's no emotional attachment to it. Like you have a homeowner that's raised his kids in this house. You know, his kids are in high school. They they don't want to change the school districts, things like that, or or you know have to change bus routes or whatever. Uh, so when you're dealing with the bank, it is a different animal because the banks don't have the emotional attachment. To them, it's all about numbers. So homeowners, you talk a little bit more about the emo- Whoa. Did we just lose Bill? Okay. Are you hearing him? Because I'm not hearing him. <laughs> I'm still here. Oh, okay. There you are. Uh, yeah, you dro- you dropped out as, uh, somewhere just after uh, they don't have the same motivations as banks. Oh, sorry, they don't have the same motivations as sellers. Right. I've got a I've got a real loud buzzing in my phone here, so I can't hear you. I can hear you talking. Do I come in clear? Uh, actually, you're kind of you're kind of going in and out there, Bill. Yeah. Okay. I just. Uh, hang on a second bill mike i think we're going to have to All like right. hang up with him and call him back and try and get a better connection because i don't know if you're hearing that but I, I can only hear every second word he says so yeah bill uh we hung up on you we're going to call you right back and see if we can get a better connection than we had before and in the meantime, while we're getting him back, actually, we may already have him back. That would be just beyond awesome, wouldn't it? Going to try this again. Okay, Bill, you there? <laughs> that would be a no. <laughs> oh, live radio. Yay. <laughs> How does one tap dance on live radio? Uh, yeah, so um, Cincinnati Rio meeting coming up tomorrow night. Really good one on bed bugs and also on uh, what's going on in the Cincinnati real estate market. And we are trying to get uh, Bill back. And by the way, if you would like to join in on the real life real estate community, you can do that on Facebook by going to realliferealestateradio.com, realliferealestateradio.com. Right now, what we are doing is taking suggestions for next year's Real Life Real Estate Radio Show topics. Uh, You'd be surprised how difficult it is to 
come up with 52 topics each and every year. So go to realliferealestateradio.com. That'll take you to our Facebook page, which you can, of course, like. You can like our Facebook page now. You can't... um, you can't fan us. You have to like us. And just put in some stuff about uh, what you would like to hear next year on Real Life Real Estate. And for heaven's sakes, stop putting spam on the wall about those goofy launches. Um, <clears throat> so I think we have Bill back now. I'm hoping. No, we do not have Bill back. Okay. Um, let's see. What else can I announce. Um, I have his wife's number here, if that would be helpful. I think she's with him. I'll just, I'll just push, I'll just push dial and hopefully we'll be able to maybe get a hold of him through her. Oh, we got him. And, uh, let's see. So, uh, great time right now, ladies and gentlemen, to, uh, be looking at bank-owned properties and short sales because uh, banks are looking to get rid of their properties before the first of the year and the new the new fiscal year. So uh, great time to go and uh, go out and start looking at REOs and short sales. Bill, you're back. I am, but I've still got a real bad connection. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, <clears throat> okay. Uh, we're actually hearing you a lot better. Good. Okay. So, that's good. Yeah. So, so we were. Okay. Maybe he's not a lot better. We were we were talking about the differences between uh, banks and sellers as your as negotiation partners, and what it is you say to banks to get them to take the lower offers that you're trying to make to them. Bill, they're, they're, we're still not hearing you. I'm, uh, I'm going to have uh, Mike dial Dwan's number, and hopefully okay. uh, we will have a better connection there. And there's her number no, right I, there. Uh, okay. Yeah, we, we, absolutely, we absolutely cannot hear you on this end. Um, so, yes, ladies and gentlemen, November through the end of the year, great times to, to get bargains on bank-owned properties. Uh, my understanding is... And maybe this is an unsophisticated understanding, but that uh, banks have a certain amount of, uh, of uh, we're <laughs> sorry, trying to do two things at once here. Um, they have a certain amount of uh, write-offs that they want to do every year to, of course, make their um, books look good. And uh, if they get to the end of the year and they don't, they haven't done enough of those write-offs. They, by gosh, start dumping properties. And um, that is what is happens at this time of year. We get some of our best deals at this time of year on REO properties. And <laughs> Mike is shaking his head because Dwan actually answered my cell phone and <laughs> he's getting voicemail. <laughs> so can you just hit redial? Because... <laughs> There's no redial. <laughs> okay. All right. Write write the phone number down for him here. We're looking for Dwan's cell number, and I feel like now I'm not hearing myself in the headphones. Ah, oh, there we go. Now my mic back on. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions about anything at all, give us a call here on Real Life Real Estate Investing at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Not sure if we're going to get our guest back here or not. And uh, wasn't really prepared to do a show without any guest, but looks like that's what's going to happen. So 772-9658-877-772-9658. Or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Um, and thank you very much, James from Atlanta, for uh, sympathizing with me. But if you had included a question, that would have been wonderful. Um, because we're looking to try and fill this up. Got a question here from uh, Stan in Omaha, Nebraska. 
Wow, that may be the first time in real life real estate history that we've had a question from Nebraska. We've had them from France and Israel, but not Nebraska. Uh, he says, where can I learn more about renting to Section 8 tenants and the process? I haven't seen a show on it in a few years. Well, see, see, Stan, there's a great show topic right there. We'll do one uh, on Section 8. But <clears throat> although Section 8 is a federal program, it is administered on a state by state and sometimes city by city basis. So depending on where it is that you are actually going to be renting properties, uh, you, you need to talk to your local Section 8 department. You can get a copy of their lease agreement. You can find out things like how much they will pay for a three-bedroom, two-bath versus a three-bedroom, one-bath versus one where you provide the utilities, where you don't provide the utilities, because it does change depending on where you are in the country. So I would just Google your local Section 8 department and talk to them because there are there's definitely a great need right now for Section 8 housing. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hopefully be taking your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank has a longstanding tradition of supporting the communities of greater Cincinnati. U.S. Bank has been helping individuals, families, and businesses achieve their financial goals for over 147 years. Nearby branch offices are located in many neighborhoods throughout greater Cincinnati. U.S. Bank, member FDIC. Alrighty, let's check on traffic real quick here. We have a disabled uh, vehicles, northbound 71 at the Reagan Highway, and northbound 75, an accident in Erlanger, and south 71 at the Norwood Lateral, an accident on the right shoulder. And uh, we will be back right after this. This program is made possible by S2 Statistical Solutions, providing research and data mining answers to the medical and pharmaceutical industries. This is Dr. Candace Gunnerson. S2 Statistical Solutions helps make your evidence count. At S2 Statistical Solutions, ROI means return on information. Information at s2stats.com or 513-247-0561 to let us show you the power in your data. S2 Statistical Solutions. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Still making the attempt to get our guest back and uh, not having a lot of luck with that. Uh, quick announcement about the Cincinnati Rea Wholesaling subgroup. There was some confusion in November about where it was being held, and therefore we had people in two different parts of the city hearing the same thing from two different people. It is in the month of December at Panera in Hyde Park, in the Hyde Park Plaza. So if you're planning on attending that meeting, mark your calendar for the first Wednesday in December, which it, this December happens to be the first of the month at six o'clock for the wholesaling subgroup. Um, Still looking for your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. We have a couple of questions here that are um, we've been saving up a little bit uh, over the course of the last few weeks. Uh, here is one from... Mary in Cincinnati, who says, I think I just made a terrible mistake. I was looking at a property that had great potential. The agent showing me the house primarily works with investors. It's in very good shape, priced well below market. We both knew that it wouldn't last through the 10-day HUD owner-occupied period. I had a nephew who's been semi-looking at a house, and I immediately thought of him, so the agent agreed to show him the house. Upon the agent's advice, he bid above the asking price and placed the bid within two days, but it wasn't accepted. Uh, when I went to the website, uh, I saw that all bids are held for five days, and if no acceptable bid is offered, then it goes into another five days before going, going out to the general public. I know the government rules change with the wind, but you can explain how the HUD bidding process works and what my nephew can do about the upped bid. I get the sink, sinking feeling that he may be paying a lot more for the property. Yeah, um, HUD foreclosures are 
they're they're interesting uh, because they go through a completely different bidding process than the normal foreclosure where you simply fill out a normal contract, send it to the agent, the agent goes to the asset manager, presents the contract, and you know you go through it in the usual case because or in the usual way because as you have noticed, HUD sometimes lists its properties below market value, and people do bid above the asking price and uh, that's what your nephew did and it wasn't accepted that doesn't mean anything that doesn't uh, they they may have had an even higher offer than your nephew's offer is what I am trying to say Uh, so um, all you can do is sit and wait Uh, they will notify you when and if they decide to accept your offer and uh, if you want to withdraw it, which I think was actually the point of this email, you can, in fact, do that. You can withdraw the offer from HUD. Just call your real estate agent and say that you want to do that. Another question that just came in from Stephen in, doesn't say where. If you're going to send emails, please let me know where you are emailing from. And by the way, go ahead and send us an email because... Uh, We've lost our guest and we can't find him again. So it's become Q&A day here on Real Life Real Estate. 772-9658-877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Uh, Stephen's, uh, Stephen's communication is more along the line of a comment than it is a question. He says, I bid $35,000 on a property in August. They refused the bid took it off the market and it went up on the market as an auction property in October where it sold for $15,000. What is the matter with these banks? Um, again, not an unusual situation, Stephen. I uh, I think that um, I've, I've probably heard that 25 times in the last three months that I offered a certain amount of money. It was turned down and then the property ended up selling for less through one of these online auctions uh, than it had before. So I'm not surprised. It looks like we have Bill back. I am back, Mina. Oh, back and loud and clear. Thank goodness. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. what happened, but I was getting a bad signal on my end here. I couldn't hear you guys. (laughs) Yeah, well, we couldn't hear you either. So I am glad you are. I'm glad you are back because... tap dancing through the middle of a live radio show uh, is always a little bit of a stressful experience. Um, yes, it is. So we were we were talking about uh, negotiating with banks versus negotiating with sellers. And uh-huh. you, you had started to say that, yeah, the banks don't have the pain. They don't have the, the, the embarrassment. They don't have the same kinds of motivation as a seller does. So as the person who's trying to talk them into a short sale, how do you negotiate with them? Well, with banks, you only negotiate logically. It's all about the numbers with the bank. What's the bottom line? You know, and, and i got to tell you, the, the, the best thing to do with the bank is what we call working backwards. You accept what they say, and then you start chopping away at it until you get down to a point to where your offer is really looking pretty good next to what they think they're going to get. We always ask the bank, Listen, I understand, you know, the BPO, you know, let's just say you have a $100,000 house and your offer is 50000 and the bank wants eighty five. Well, that's fine. You know, I totally understand the house might be worth that. However, let, what are you going to net when this is finally said and done? I mean, you're losing interest. You know, we go right through and we talk to them about how much interest they're losing. They're paying the taxes. They're paying, you know, foreclosure fees. they got to pay a realtor to sell it. They've got loan loss reserves. They've got all kinds of stuff that they have to pay. The insurance on the property for a year or two. If the homeowners file bankruptcy, they could string it out another year or so. And they're not getting anything on it. By the time that you take what they want and what they're going to net when it's finally all said and done, it's going to be about Mm 50000 bucks when you start taking all that off. So I want them to take my offer now versus waiting a year and a half, two years down the road to get the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. So I explain that to them. It's all about numbers. And, you know, you can't, and, and I'll tell you what, it's, there's no emotion involved at all like there is with homeowners. It's all about the numbers. But you're going to find banks sometimes that will stick to that number, not accept your offer, and then go back and you track that property, and in two years they sell it for $51,000, the <laughs> idiots. I mean, mm-hmm. they just do that. And why I don't, 
Well, I know why. It doesn't come out of their pocket, the people you're talking to. If it was their deal, they would want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But since it's not, you know, mm-hmm. they they it's it's all about numbers to them. They try to get as much as they can out of it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we're trying to get as cheap as possible too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just when you're negotiating with the bank, the whole thing to remember is they only really want to work with people that they know are going to close transactions, people they are comfortable with, and you're going to build that comfort and trust and rapport by learning what to say and not coming in and asking questions and saying, well, what do I need to send in now? What do I have to do? I mean, I've never done this before. You know, that kind of stuff throws up red flags with the banks. They'll work with you, but they're not going to take a lot of time with you like they will somebody that they know is going to get files off their desk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, let's face it again, you are working with a person. We say, oh, I'm negotiating with Bank of America, but you're really negotiating with Julie, the loss mitigator. Yeah. And Julie, the loss mitigator, in all likelihood, gets paid partly based on how many files she clears off her desk this month. Yep. So getting getting the the easy ones out of the way, the ones where, as you say, they are going to perform They're you know, it's not going to be something that we get down to a price and then uh, the buyer disappears, which I understand happens about 50 percent of the time yeah. uh, in those loss mitigation rooms. And uh, another thing I think that goes a long way with uh, Julie, the loss mitigator, who we've just invented, is uh, simply uh, being nice. Yeah. Yeah. Being nice. Coming across like you know what you're doing, they feel comfortable because they know they don't have to babysit the file with you. Now, if you were a loss mitigation rep, I would say, Vina, listen, let me get all this stuff turned in for you. Now, here's what I've got in my package. I've got this, 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 and this. Is there anything else you need? Because I want to put this together to where you don't have to chase me for more paperwork, and I don't have to keep calling you to see if you've gotten everything. Mm-hmm. So what else do I need for the in the package? And you may say, well, I need two months of bank statements. Okay, we'll get that. I'm going to put all that in the package. We're going to get that uploaded into your imaging center, and we'll get everything taken care of. Now, when are you going to meet with your boss? And you may say next week. Now, see, here's where people fail when they're working with short sales. You may say, well, I meet with him in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I would say, okay, would that be next week or the week after? And you may say, well, it would be the week after. Will it be earlier in the week or later in the week? Because, see, I'm trying to pinpoint you down here because I want to know because I want to get an answer back as soon as I can get an answer back. I don't want you to say, oh, I'll talk to you. I'll call you back in a couple weeks because what that couple weeks turns into is six weeks. And you're afraid to call the, you know, the loss mitigation rep back because you don't want to make them mad. But yet you have to be that squeaky wheel to get the grease. Uh-huh. You know, if you sit there and wait and wait, They've got four or 500 files on their desk at any given time, folks. You know, if you're calling them, you're talking to them, and you're on top of your file, they're going to they're gonna work with that file. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay? Yes, and, and, and loss mitigators are, are a bunch of really stressed out people. Oh, uh, they, an average person stays in loss mitigation seven months. Mm-hmm. And they're gone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're typically not coming from someplace in the financial industry. They're, it's not like they're bankers who became loss mitigators. It's more like they're, you know, nail techs who became yeah, loss mitigators. Right. <laughs> they're, they're what we call gatekeepers. All they do is answer the phone, shuffle paperwork, and take it to the people that really make the decision. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, so we have to. Yeah, a little a little kindness goes a long way there because uh, every everyone's yelling at them. <laughs> that's exactly right. Everyone's yeah. That's exactly right. Everyone's. You know, all over them trying to, and, and you're right, they do get paid on performance. But, you know, a lot of loss mitigation reps, they think, okay, well, if the homeowners file bankruptcy, it comes off my desk, it goes to the bankruptcy department. Well, it's okay if it goes to for sale, if it goes to a foreclosure sale, it's okay, it gets off my desk, it goes over to the REO department. You know, if the homeowners make up the back payments, it's okay, it goes back into the performing note department. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I want to do my job, but whether they go here, there, or anywhere else, I, I, I know I've got to get 10 or 15 files on my desk today because I've got 10 or 15 more coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so it's revolving like the jobs are there. I mean, they have to keep moving the stuff. And they do get paid little incentives and bonuses for getting properties, uh, you know, close to the broker's price opinion or close to what they call their, 
their line that they don't go below. And, you know, sometimes they do go below, go below those lines, you know, those, those prices that they say, hey, listen, this is the best we can do. But if you keep working with them, the homeowners file bankruptcy. They spend, uh, you know, a little more time sitting there with, uh, you know, with a file on their desk. They're going to bend a little bit and just get the thing off their desk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you just got to be willing to uh, talk their lingo. And if you can't talk their lingo, they're going to know you don't know what you're doing. Now, and Bill, when they know that they've got the advantage in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 yeah, good, good argument for a good short sale education. Um, we've got about like a minute left, and I'd like you to talk about the biggest mistake that you see new investors making in the negotiation realm. Honestly, not practicing. They they may buy the flashcards, they may buy the program, and start to work it. But then what they do is they don't practice it and hone in on their skills and really take their natural um, the the natural ability that they have because because uh, a lot of us have a, a lot of good natural ability and we have to find out what that is and then we have to make that even better because that becomes the centerpiece of what we do you know when we're negotiating we come in with a good smile you come in and you you walk and talk with confidence whatever it is whatever it is you know you have to really work on that and and hone in on that skill that you've got but you really have to learn what to say and how to say it and a lot of people don't practice that's the biggest downfall that i find in this business you get somebody that practices and rehearses and understands the process they're going to outproduce the next 10 investors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. And we appreciate your time and your expertise today. My guest has been Bill Twyfer, Twyford, <laughs> author of, amongst other things, Shut Up and Stick to the Script. Um, Anthony from Dorona, Pennsylvania, you sent me an email that I actually cannot read on the air because it names a specific uh, product. But the answer to your question is no, not ever, not in a billion zillion years will you see me promoting these launches. End of story. We're out of time. So we'll be back next week with even more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. This is 89.3 WMKV, Reading, Ohio.